You're listening to The Lost Art of Liner Notes, a podcast by Rumble Yard. You can find more episodes of this show by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Recently, we invited David Arth of Hero Records and Logan Henderson into our studio to talk about making Logan's new album, Echoes of Departure and the Endless Street of Dreams, Part 1. Don't take it out on me. You do what you want to. Welcome, everyone. My name is David Arth, and I am Executive Vice President at Hero Records, and I work directly with Mr. Logan Henderson, who's here with us today as well. That was a nice intro. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Logan Henderson, and and this is my session. Oh, what a weird way to start out. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I always grew up doing music and, and acting, and 17, I moved out to L.A., the first thing I landed was uh, Big Time Rush. And, you know, we did stuff with those few years. Took a couple years off to kind of figure out the music I wanted to make and kind of figure out what this project was all about. And that kind of leads me to where I am now. So we just want to discuss a few things uh, about Logan's career and and all the things that go along with it. We have some questions to ask him. Uh, so I guess we'll start by uh, where we met and sort of how that all kind of came to be. Right. So I had met, well, I would say that you're the better half, but <laughs> I met your better half at a uh, Noah Cyrus concert was kind of the first meeting that I had met Brent. And it was really a very, very short meeting. But within that short meeting, sometimes your stars are aligned and you're, you know, brought to certain people. And I think that's kind of how it worked out with you guys. And I'm trying to remember what was the first, what was the first actual meeting? I think with uh, Kyle Ronan. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah we must were have been a, with Ronan. We were at a show, and he flagged us over and said, there's somebody we want you to meet. Who had worked worked with me on BTR touring, and Correct. we had just remained close friends and stay in touch. I try to do that with most of the crew that I work with and, and you know, really all the people that I work with. It's become a ever-growing family and, and good people involved. But, yeah, that's how we met, and I think everything was just kind of in the right place, and I think for both of us it was um, – you know, we were able to kind of see a future with each other and, and you guys were able to kind of see my vision and, and kind of help guide that or at least guide me into figuring out kind of how I wanted to release my music and release kind of all the things that were going on up in my head. And I think the opportunity was there as well. We actually then let up, if my memory serves, we met up in London later when you were filming, and I may be jumping the gun a little bit, but filming the Bite My Tongue video. That's right. In London. That's right. And there was an excitement with that because... It fueled, for us, the project that you were about to do. Yeah. And just was a really neat, uh, just a great setup. Like I well, said, you got to see, I'm, I'm doing this thing one way or another. So it's either like, <laughs> join me or get out of my way. I mean, Step aside <laughs> if you need. Luckily, you guys were like, no, we're going to help yeah. this out. And which yeah. was, I was desperately needed. Um, but, you know, I was just so headstrong on kind of like just wanting to kind of get everything moving. And I respect that headstrong kind of piece as well, too, because there's nothing worse than somebody who doesn't know where they want to go. Right. So. And I walk fast, so <laughs> so it's definitely good to have, have people there. Um, yeah, that's that was a fun time. I, yeah. think, I think it's like I had been in that 
position for so long of just kind of not knowing or not wanting to take a chance, and I just got fed up with it. I was just tired of it. I was like, this is no life that I want to live. It's either going to be full force, balls to the wall, or it's going to be nothing for me. And I feel like even me as a person, that's kind of how I treat life a lot is just, you know, I'm not so sure that I've found my sense of balance. And I think in some ways it's part of, like, my manic, you know, it helps the artistic side of me and then in in some ways it can it can be very lonely and kind of you know interesting kind of like keeping your feet on the ground and finding your place definitely and i saw a lot of that like i said in the video shooting that you had over in london which there was actually kind of life intervened for a moment and you had to put that sort of on pause because of one of the uh, london terror attacks attacks. right so it was kind of interesting to see that how that played into the creative (laughs) process of yours as well but keeping yourself focused and you finished it up and eventually came back to the States with that in the can. So right, of, yeah. Of sorts. Super unexpected. But again, <clears throat> the people that I was working with were just such a driving force in yeah. completing that video and completing the idea. And it, I think it turned out great. Yeah, it was a fantastic video. And then in the meantime, after that, since you've been back here in the States, the last almost year, you've been really, really, really busy. Yeah. And maybe you can kind of speak to that about your, you know, what you've been doing, what you've been up to and sort of the creative process then looking forward from the last busy year. Yeah, I think even just getting my thoughts together and and releasing music or a body of work that I I feel like in some ways is scatterbrained and has a lot of different sounds to it. I feel like that's how I am as a human being. And so I wanted the music to kind of match who I was and all the different tastes that I had. And, of course, it's a busy schedule, even just being in the studio. And the studio is very much a grind in itself. But once you start releasing a few singles and songs here and there, then it kind of just spread like wildfire as far as me having to be on the road. And so I'm kind of tackling going back and forth and having to do radio shows and having having to go do all the things that come along with making music and putting it out, uh, which is, I think, fun for me. But, I mean, it's definitely tiring, but I guess it keeps me on my toes. And that's one thing. When we've been out on the road, too, it's, you know, nothing is ever a one-hour commitment. There's always an extra before and after. And and You just, like, live life in a tired state. Like, where am I? What day (laughs) is it? What city are we in? Uh, Yeah, people ask you, do you know what day it is? Because you just operate on just, like, a a completely different playing field. Temporary amnesia, too, especially in the airports, whenever you kind of look around and think, wait, where am I going again, too? It's funny. I was talking about it with Kyle, my guitarist, and we were just thinking, like, where have we been? Because all we really remember is just like the different airports or like the different like people that you met in there. And it's like, were we even in a spot? I don't know. I can't even remember. It's fun. I think um, we had a really good time. We've been, uh, Logan's had several headline shows and, and a lot of radio shows as he's mentioned. And one of my favorites is just seeing the fan reaction and how different, I guess, of sorts it is in different cities. We were in Mexico City and it was, my ears are still actually ringing from the Mexico City show because the fever pitch at which they, the fans were, yeah. you know, intent on <clears throat> cheering for you and singing along. And then every city, there's this flash of what the fans are like, but the energy is is palpable sometimes to, yeah. you know, to what the fans, how they, how they react. Yeah, I think it's different. And you catch a different vibe each, each place you go. And I think that's part of the fun. And, you know, I guess in, in a way you're kind of making the wave and having everybody else ride it for that time. And that's what I love about live performances. It 
it is cool to kind of see people catch different vibes in different cities. Um, and the takeaway was sometimes what they share then later on social media is so diverse too. Yeah. And you find my, at least I do find myself thinking, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or wow, they got you know more out of it than it was, you know, so much more beneficial to them than what yeah, I originally thought. It could be too. that. Or it's like, <laughs> hey, I never liked you, but that one song is cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you never know what you're going to get. You, I mean, again, you're not, you're not going to please everybody, but there are, there are some cool, cool instances where people, you know, I came from such a background where people already have this, just this idea about me, especially even just being a part of a role that was very much an acting role for me. And people, you know, having trouble understanding that this is, you know, a character that's played on TV and this was also part of, you know, there's a different person that's underneath that. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's a very interesting thing to kind of go with. And I think as people get older, they obviously understand. But I think for a little while it was kind of like kind of like a, a mind fuck almost for, for some of these people. <laughs> like, wait a second. But your name is that. So it's got to be. So I, that's it's been nice to release the music and actually show people, hey, this is, you know this is kind of what I'm really about and, th and these are the stories that I want to tell and uh, you know I, I, Big Time Rush was such a fun experience such a cool thing and I think the coolest thing is growing from that and continuing to develop yourself as a person and I always kind of love that and that's you know stuff that I write about as well is just that, and in fact, the ability to change and be different from one moment to another. So um, one of the things I kind of, you had mentioned music as well, you have a body of work that some songs that you had done sort of in your downtime in the creative process um, was, was uh, and maybe you can speak to a couple of those songs and then ultimately kind of where you're going. There is some type of process there, but I don't speak too much about necessarily the subject matter really completely fully in detail because again, I write music it's like the music that I listened to. I always loved music that encouraged and uh, inspired self-thought. And so whenever I write music, it's never really about one thing. Or it may have been for me at the time, but within, you know, even a few short lines, it could be about, you know, a thousand different things. And I always love to create music where people get to kind of finish the other half for themselves. But um, so <laughs> the long title, people keep on giving me shit about this, uh, Echoes of Departure in the Endless Street of Dreams Part 1. It was very much just for me to kind of find some closure and find some peace with, you know, the last couple of years that I had taken off music. And I, I struggled, you know, a long time with thinking, am I even going to release this stuff or is it just going to be for me? And, you know, there was that reoccurring dream or the thing that kept on speaking to me or certain signs that I had where I was like, no, I guess I'm going to have to put this out. So the Echoes of Departure is kind of me going off and doing something on my own, but also it has to do with letting go of certain feelings and memories and certain things that I was so hung up on and attached to and having to kind of rewire my brain and say, you know what, it's time to let this go. And so even even within kind of doing my own thing, which is super freeing, it was also important for me to kind of free myself from my past in a way. And so that kind of explains the title, or at least is about as much as I'd like to say. And, you know, with this first part one, it, it is a lot of me experimenting with sounds. And I kind of wanted to show the growth process and have everybody kind of along for that ride. 
and to see where things start from and to see how far can we really stretch the sound and how far can we stretch the writing and, and stretch people's ideas of maybe what kind of music this is. So whether you hear something that's a little bit more rock influenced or you have something that's a little more trappy, but you have a beautiful pop top line and certain sounds that are a little jarring. Like whenever you hear Speak of the Devil, you know, I was really listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails and listening to a lot of Michael Jackson. I just was like, you know, how do we, how do we like mix these sounds and stuff? So what did you do with your time after Big Time Rush to where we are today? Uh, truthfully, I took a little time off after BTR because I was just so run down. Definitely feeling a little uninspired and feeling a little out of place. And I think musically, I wasn't quite jiving the way that I wanted to. And I think for any, that this goes for you know any artist or any group of artists working together. It's tough and difficult, just like a relationship, to keep the same trajectory and also the same pace and, and growing in the same ways. And I think at that time, you know, all four of us were just kind of ready to be, you know, just kind of ready to do our own thing and really explore who we were as people individually. And we, we felt like we had kind of done it. We had done enough records that we wanted to do and we had done enough episodes of the TV show. And I think after that time, like I said, I was a little little uninspired so I whenever I do that I usually kind of go hide out and stick to myself and you know I did a lot of traveling and I don't know I got like had like a little crisis so I got like my sailing license I got like to sail I don't know I, I just went through like a, a few different phases I kind of just shut off um, a whole lot of different things happened within that time and I don't speak about it too much but it was a time for me to kind of just shut off altogether you know there's always like we're always have stuff getting thrown on us so fast and I think it was just like sensory overload for me. So I think it it really was just about just, you know, simple everyday things, just being able to be alone and, and appreciating uh, the small stuff. And I think whenever you're coming from something, you know, like the machine before, it just is like, it's just so, so much, you know. So I think it, it was definitely needed and helpful to get back to normal ground. Uh, so what was the first song in your body of music now what was the first song and how did it kind of come to be and how did that process happen? That first, So the first song was Sleepwalker and I, it came to be, I think, because I was still kind of going through this whole obsession idea of kind of like what we do in our dreams and kind of just the fascination of what happens when we go to sleep and what our minds go through and all that. And so I, I thought about this idea for Sleepwalker. First of all, I thought the name was kind of cool and I was like, just the idea of actually your body doing something else and your mind being in another place was like, oh, I can relate that to actual real life. It's obviously not about sleepwalking, <laughs> but it is about the idea of going through the same motions with someone. So it was very much about a relationship, and you'll find that a lot of these songs are relationship-based because I felt I was never able to really capture that in the last group or in any of the writing I had done previously. So it really was about having your body go through some of the same motions and knowing like, I shouldn't be doing this, so why Why do I keep on going back to the same old thing? Tale as old as time and some classic, some that everybody struggles with. 
but was kind of like a dark time for me and something that I felt like I was like, I just need to write about it. So Sleepwalker was the idea that I had. I had a few lines written out. I got with my friend Raz, who, again, you know, one of my best friends and writing partners. And we got in the studio, and I remember telling him, if I'm going to do this thing, like, I don't want to make music like I made before. Like, I don't want to go back to that. Not that it was bad. Not that I'm not proud of it. It just... I don't want to do the same stuff over and over again. Like, I just don't ever really want to do it. I just want to keep on trying new stuff. And so we got in the studio, and I just wanted something to come. Everything, like, at that point in time, there's a lot of electronic going on. I was like, I want a little bit less of that, and I want this feels like a very textured piece of work to me, and the colors that I have for it don't really match up electronically. So you'll you'll find little, little pieces of that, but for the most part, again... It's that bass guitar that really drives a lot of it and that just like clanky ass drums that I just was like so in love with. So we ended up writing that song in an hour. It wasn't long at all. And we did the finishing touches over the next couple of days, but the bulk of it was done in, in that first hour. And we just started playing around with instruments and stuff that we wanted to hear. And so this one came out to be, a, you know, it still keeps a groove, but it's, it's more of a ballad and it's deeply emotional. And um, it also fucking slams dude <laughs> it also slams so that's that's what i wanted to i that's what i wanted out of it and i think honestly it was just one of my favorite pieces of work and i think that was the first thing that ignited all the other ones You're listening to Logan Henderson on The Lost Art of Liner Notes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out Logan's new album, Echoes of Departure in the Endless Street of Dreams, Part 1, on iTunes or Spotify. And so Bite My Tongue came pretty close after that and Speak of the Devil. Like like I said, Speak of the Devil was one that we were just like, how can we get as freaky as possible? Mm -hmm. And that kind of shows it. And the lyrics kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, those three songs are so diverse. They are. You know? They are very, very diverse. Yeah, like I said, that's what I like to show. I, I like to have some growth and have people kind of take the journey with me. And I, I think that kind of just shows, you know, my, my background of music and also that, you know, I like to change face. I don't mind. It's not that I'm not being truthful. I'm, I'm being truthful in every single thing. But like I said, as human beings, you know, how special is it that we have all these different layers to us? We are not so one-dimensional. We are just multi-dimensional. And I'm like, the music should absolutely be the same way. And why don't we treat each track as a, a separate story? And so that's what we did. And, but you know, by my tongue was that, you know, I have the moments where I'm confident and cocky and, you know, absolutely get into trouble with the things that I say. And then there's also this side of me that feels very much, you know, detached from from the crowd and feels alone and feels like I don't have my shit together whatsoever. And I think that was the first time that I felt vulnerable enough to write about it and bite my tongue was the reason for that. Even in the studio, I remember, you know, feeling a little out of place. And I remember Raz was like, why don't you lay down on the ground and sing this? And I was like, what the f- why the <laughs> fuck am I going to do that? And I was just thinking like, what a cool thing to to suggest and what a cool thing for me to really get myself in there, turned all the lights off and just kind of had that moment before and thinking, 
Man, I really, right now, I don't have anybody that I feel like I can count on. And we recorded the verses just like that. And I think it really shows in the recording process. And yeah, that was, that was bite my tongue. But I would just bite my tongue. I could tell you so much. What we both have enough. Instead of making you blush, I bite my tongue like a devilish curse that you put on my words. But I love that it hurts whenever you bite my tongue. I'm forever going to picture you now lying on the floor singing. This yeah, song. right. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a funny thing to think about, but yeah, it I think worked. It, it, yeah, it really helped. It really helped out with it. That's part of some of the album, and people can listen and, and they'll hear and make their own stories with it. But that's I don't know. It's a little piece about part one. You may not have needed to hear all that shit, but <laughs> <laughs> something. Which it was going to lead to my next kind of question okay. too, because the part one implies that there's going to be part two and part three. And with that, you know, a very different creative process or a lot of the same probably but expanding everything and the evolution of Logan Henderson. Yeah, especially the sound. Yeah. I mean, I've already been in the studio just kind of working with some different sounds and things that I feel come naturally to me. And that's how I like to work in the studio. It's really all about vibe and kind of what I'm feeling at the moment. So I, I imagine the way that part two is shaping right now is, is a very much different set of sounds and feelings than, than part one. There's a lot of really great influences. It would be hard to name, you know, even for me, looking in from the outside, looking in, but the amount of influences that you've had musically. I mean, you're so diverse in your catalog of, you know, what you listen to on your downtime. I think all the all the greats are as well. Yeah. There's so many artists that I love and look up to, all for different reasons, and that's just kind of what I go off of is good sound and also good conversation and traveling and that's the kind of stuff that inspires my music traveling eating all those things that we I'm do. a huge foodie you know I can honestly <laughs> a, a little bit of Italian food and some wine I can start jotting down a few things after that I've definitely seen you you know kind of do your we'll have a glass of wine together and the inspiration will come in many different stages or frames absolutely and um, but yeah it's it's fascinating about the process so many people ask too about the genre of like what you were talking about too and it's really hard to for me to, anyway to put things in a box like that because I just tell them you decide it, yeah, that's a very. I don't good really piece have to do that. I feel yep. like we're getting further and further away from like actually having to have yeah. categories of anything. Like yep. I think we just kind of did that to ourselves, right? Just to help yep. us try to figure things out. Sometimes it's nice to just let it go. If you like it, if it sounds good, if it's something that connects right. to you, then that's all you need to know. So we have sort of talked about what you've done in the past in the short term, you know. But what's what's ahead for you? What would you world domination? <laughs> we want to. That seems like uh, a lot. <laughs> I think, um, you know, we're looking at more pieces of potentially a, a tour someday down the road. We're yeah, more at... touring. That's some of the stuff I love most, obviously, is touring and, and performing live. Because whenever we saw Sam Smith, was he was just right down the street performing. Yeah. And he had brought up this thing that Elton John said. And, and so, in turn, I am now kind of <laughs> spitting it out. But he said Elton John told him, always play live and always find certain times where you can perform live, even even take away like a break from the studio because it's such an important thing as an artist and as a songwriter to 
connect with people and see how it makes them feel and see how it makes you feel. That's it kind of just helps you as a as a writer and as an artist and he said that was something that he loved and he said that and I was like, I love that too. That what a great what a great thing yeah. to remind ourselves is you know, even if you think about Frank Sinatra, which I love, he was just able to really be in a crowd and kind of just sing the same song that you heard a thousand times, but sing it in a way where you're hearing it for the first. You know, what a beautiful gift. And I think if you have it, then you absolutely have to, you know, show it. And lots of fans ask about collaborations. You're open to that? You are... I think if it's right. I think yeah. we have a lot of collaborations right now. It's, some of them are awesome. And then some of them I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if that was put together or if that's something that people really felt out. Right. And I think you can kind of tell if you hear something. I think truthfulness and genuine genuine vibe really come through uh, no matter what. So I think I, I'm definitely open for collaboration. I, I'd like to think that anything I do is a collaboration, even with my friends who are who are some of my best friends are some of my closest writers as well. Mm-hmm. And some of my best friends are, are there making the beats as well, and we're going through it. And I consider them to be mentors as well. And we learn a lot from each other, and, and we go off of each other a lot. So I would, I would love to think that anything I do is a collaboration. I think that's, you know, collaborating is such a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you? What are we looking at in the, in the rest of the summer? And then oh, I was about to say a nap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nap, and we were, we were talking about food earlier too. So yeah, you may right. have heard our stomachs growl some, just some a little good bit. Food. <laughs> um, I want to keep on traveling. I want to stay in the studio. I feel like I need a little bit of time to lock myself back in for a little while and really kind of finish up part yeah. two. And um, we'll go from there. I don't. There's, I've been reading like a few scripts and, and read a few books that I really love. That I'm thinking like. I want to start filming some things, and I want to start like moving into some of that acting space. Like my head, like I'm getting a little like fire now. Right, it feels good. So I want to just keep on creating art in whatever capacity I'm capable of. Um, so you can check out Echoes of Departure and the Endless Street of Dreams Part One uh, of my album out pretty much anywhere. So Spotify is uh, what I have. What I usually go to. Apple is great. Just take a listen. If you download it on SoundCloud, then listen to it there. I don't care where you listen to it. Just listen to it. So you've been listening to Logan Henderson here today. I just want to say thank you very, very much to Logan uh, for his time and and uh, his thoughts. Also, thanks to our friends here at the Rumble Yard for the opportunity to come in and uh, record this podcast. And thank you to all the listeners for listening. Thank you guys so much. Huge thanks to Logan Henderson and David Arth for being our guests. You can visit LoganHendersonMusic.com to find out more about his new album, Echoes of Departure and the Endless Street of Dreams, Part 1, available now. This episode was produced by Lee Stimmel, Mark Grandy, Nicole Heyman, and me, Matthew Billy. Special thanks to Simon Marcus of Pippa, Curtis Dixon of Red Distribution, and Hero Records. The Lost Art of Liner Notes is a Rumble Yard production. You can find more episodes by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Rumble Yard is a division of Sony Music Entertainment. For more information, please visit rumbleyard.com. Thanks for listening. What if tomorrow comes and you're nowhere you want to be? Because I'm just a memory.